Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone. My name is Kelly Carden, and I'm an attorney in Ogletree Deacon's New York and Connecticut offices. My name is Jessica Schild, and I'm an attorney in Ogletree Deacon's New York office. All right. So Jess and I are here to talk today uh, a little bit about the key to NYC. Jess, I think that uh, Mayor de Blasio announced this initiative back in August. Isn't that right? That's right. He did. But it's important for employers to start thinking about this more now because enforcement is set to begin on September 13th. Um, And this is really important because non-compliant employers are subject to fines and penalties of not less than $1,000. And then subsequent violations within 12 months are subject to additional fines and penalties of not less than $2,000 and then $5,000 per violations thereafter. Um, And just in case anybody missed what's required under the key to New York City, why don't we go over what's required from Mayor de Blasio's announcement and the executive order? Sounds great. So it sounds like the point here is if you haven't been paying attention to this, you probably want to make sure that you are up to date on all these requirements and uh, really understand what's covered here. I think first, let's start with what entities are covered by the key to NYC. I think that makes a lot of sense. So the first entities that are covered is indoor dining, indoor entertainment, and indoor fitness. Um, And there are specific examples of affected businesses. For indoor dining, these are covered establishments like restaurants, bars, nightclubs, coffee shops, fast food establishments that have indoor dining facilities. For entertainment, it's movie theaters, concert venues that have indoor facilities, museums, convention centers, bowling alleys, and fitness facilities like gyms, pools, and dance studios. Interestingly, the executive order provides exemptions for residential buildings, office buildings, public and private schools through grade 12, and community centers. Okay, so that's quite an interesting spectrum of entities that are covered. And then, you know, I think that it's also really important to understand what entities are exempt. And you and I have actually written an article on this, so anyone who wants further detail can just check out the post we wrote on August 20th, which sets forth all of the different entities that are covered and those that are exempt. I think that the main takeaway here is that for these covered entities, all employees, customers, and contractors who reside in New York City have to provide proof of at least one dose of COVID vaccination before they enter any of these covered establishments. So it's really quite a broad initiative, and you want to make sure you understand 
whether number one, you are a covered entity, and then also who this is going to apply to. So again, it's not just employees, it also applies to customers and contractors who reside in New York City. Are there any people who are exempt from showing proof of vaccination at these covered establishments, Jess? There are, Kelly. There's actually a list of people who are exempt from showing proof. Um, And there are children under the age of 12. There are individuals, including suppliers and vendors, who are just entering a business for a limited amount of time or a limited purpose. There are performing artists who don't live in New York City and are not regularly employed by the covered entity. Professional athletes or members of professional sports teams who also don't reside in New York City, but are coming into the covered premises for the purpose of competing. Again, individuals who are accompanying performing artists or members of these sports teams um, as part of their employment during a performance or a competition who also don't live in New York City, um, and contractors who don't reside in New York City. But interesting, I, I think there might also be some additional precautions that these exempt individuals have to take. Is that right, Kelly? Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you think about it, it, um, it kind of makes sense, right? Because these are people who don't have to show proof of vaccination. So these exempt individuals who enter covered establishments still have to continue to wear face masks when they're unable to maintain six feet of social distance from other individuals. So even though you know, this, this initiative isn't requiring the exempt people to show proof of vaccination, there still are safety measures built into it. So when employees uh, and patrons are required to show proof of vaccination, what is it that they're supposed to show, Jess? There are a number of things that employees and patrons can use to show proof that they were vaccinated. So they can use their vaccination record card. They can use the New York City COVID Safe app or the New York State Excelsior app or their official immunization record. In addition, these covered establishments can deny entry to individuals who refuse to show proof of vaccination. And this is a really interesting concept. Um, Do you want to dive into this a little bit more, Kelly? Sure. The really important point here is that businesses have to ensure that they are still complying with the New York City human rights law to make sure that they're not treating any customers or employees differently based on any protected characteristics. And when we're talking about protected characteristics, we're talking about all the classes that are covered under the city human rights law, including but not limited to things like a disability, religion, creed, gender, race, all of those protected classes. So the first number one rule here is that businesses cannot require proof of vaccination only from employees of one race or one religion or of a particular characteristic and not those of other races. So covered entities are going to want to make sure that they are applying the requirements uniformly and not singling out or targeting any specific group, because that could run afoul of the city human rights law. What happens, Kelly, if an employee is unable to provide sufficient proof of vaccination? So if an employee is unable to provide sufficient proof of vaccinations, the employers may want to speak with that employee to determine why the employee doesn't have the required proof to figure out really what is going on here. And if it turns out that the reason is because of a protected class under the city human rights law, so if it's because of religion or disability, something like that, then the employer is going to want to 
engage in a cooperative dialogue to determine if a reasonable accommodation can be made that will allow that employee to continue to work. So employers might want to request documentation from employees who are seeking such a reasonable accommodation, including, but not limited to, for example, a note from a medical provider or a related service provider. I think that the important point here and what employers need to be mindful of is where a reasonable accommodation isn't available that would allow the employee to continue to perform his or her job duties without posing a direct threat or an undue hardship, the employer might want to consider offering that employee another type of accommodation like a leave of absence or something like that until that employee can provide proof of vaccination or is otherwise safe for the employee to return to work. But like so many other things during the pandemic, really the concepts that are going to be guiding that analysis are the direct threat and the undue hardship analysis that we see applied in other uh, related contexts involving the cooperative dialogue. It's another thing that employers need to be thinking about, employers in New York City need to be thinking about uh, in the midst of the pandemic. But Jess, are there any immediate steps that they need to be taking to ensure that they are complying with the law now that the penalties are set to go into effect? Yes, employers should immediately post um, a sign in a conspicuous place that notifies employees and customers about this mandatory vaccination requirement. Um, The New York City Department for Health and Mental Hygiene has actually created a sign um, and businesses may use that sign or they can create their own sign with the required language um, that advises these individuals where they can obtain a free COVID-19 vaccine appointment. Perfect. And I think that you and I have linked to that sign in the article that we wrote on this. So anyone looking for it can just follow up there and get to it pretty easily. All right. Well, on we go as these penalties are set to go into effect and the rules continue to kind of evolve and change. But I don't know about you, Jess, but I am certainly ready to visit some of these establishments again. I've already got some Broadway tickets coming up, so looking forward to brighter days. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.